Do I intro? What? How do we? I don't know how to do intros, man. I keep winging it. I don't even know the name of our podcast, dude. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Welcome back to Resonant Real, where we're going to continue talking about our dive into Breaking Bad. I'm Adam. And I'm Chandler. But yeah, more Breaking Bad, right? Yes. Finished off season one. Yeah. Okay. So, so let's let's get some like general reactions before we like dive in. Dive in. How, what do you think? What do you think? General reaction is oh, holy shit. I feel like there was such a. I don't even. I don't even know. Just everything ramped up, and like that doesn't. And that feels weird to say because I don't feel like the season moved slowly, like at all. I I feel like everything was really well paced. And like, I looked back and I was like, oh, wow, like the whole season is only seven episodes. And so everything just does technically happen really quickly, but it doesn't feel like we're missing anything important to get to like the juicy stuff. And then it ended and I was like, wait, what? And it immediately started playing season two, episode one, which I didn't realize until it tried to start giving me the recap of the ending of the seventh episode and i was like oh pause and then i was like wait and i had to like sit and like take in the fact that that is how the season ended and the craziness that happens truly in the last like two episodes i'd say i'm here for this journey i i get why people like liked this so much at this point i really do it's it's like addictive to watch it, it truly is like just seven episodes and like it yet has this momentum and this like depth of story and characters and it's just like wait i need more now and like we're spoiled now in the in the streaming era that we are in now where like we can just binge forever kind of thing but like back then it's like that's like a week by week you wait till the next week watch it on tv maybe dvr it because you missed it or whatever or plan to watch it later because you're at work or whatever and then it's just like i have to wait this many months till season two comes out i'm not like they're not already out and available to watch so yeah it's really astounding like how almost addictive for lack of a better word like you just kind of get sucked into it because of just the world that's being built in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And you're like, is this really what Albuquerque, New Mexico is like? Also, fun trivia. They initially wanted this to be set in like L.A. or something like that. But the studio execs were like, that's going to be too expensive or something. And so they're like, all right. Albuquerque, New Mexico, it is because it was cheap at the time. <laughs> so it's like most of this like shot on location and stuff. Yeah, well, that's that. I feel like LA also does. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense with like the direction they're going. I don't know because I think of LA and I'm like, this show would have to involve so many more like rich assholes than it currently does. You know what I mean? I like the rural desertness of the of the world. Yeah. Oh, no, sorry. Riverside. Supposed to be said in Riverside, California. Correction. But still, California, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Our first episode, which is episode five, right? That is Gray Matter. And also had the lowest viewership uh, of the season at just a little less than a million viewers. Interesting. So this one's uh, written by Patty Lynn and directed by Trisha Brock. So, like, Vince Gilligan's no longer, like, in this, like, more on hands role. I think he's still like executive producer, I think, in the show in general. Anyways, I'll let Adam dig into it. Awesome. Yeah. So episode five, what I remember most from this episode was just the conflict that is continuing to grow between like Walt and his family and friends regarding his cancer. So on Walt's end, I will say this is another episode of not heavy like drug stuff um or like crime stuff and and we're still kind of on the heels of um episode four and and dealing with like character arc and like life so oh my god so i am also somebody who just has such horrible like secondhand embarrassment that like so like if i'm watching like for example i don't know some dumb like teenage like show and a character does something that is just so cringeworthy i 
physically have a reaction to that where I'm just like, I my stomach is dropped through my body. Like I just want to throw up. Like I get like I want to cover my eyes. Like I can't deal with it. And that is the reaction that I had when Walt and Skylar were at uh Walt's old friend Elliot's birthday party. Because Walt and Skylar were did not look out of place necessarily due to their appearance. But as we are watching the different personalities of this party, they are very clearly like the lowest class people there, like monetarily. Because um, Elliot's getting these really extravagant gifts. And also like, it is very funny because this is a full grown man opening and unwrapping presents in front of everybody. Like he is a four-year-old like whose mom is handing him gifts i mean the whole setting when like they arrive right like skylar's like i hope i didn't like you know dress up too much like this is the only dress she can fit in because she's so pregnant right and Walt's like no no don't worry about like everyone's in these like silicon valley vibe kind of like attire and they're like suit and tie and dress and i'm just like oh my goodness right out the gate like we know exactly what type of people we're dealing with and like who Elliot's, you know, personality is and stuff. And it's his, I believe, wife. I think it's his, I think it's Elliot's wife who's like handing him the presents. And there's even a reference that I think Walt makes of like, or maybe Skylar, but of like, why is, why is it like a mom like handing presents to their kid on their birthday? Like, and that truly was like the vibe of it all. So again, Elliot's opening these really extravagant gifts and then he opens a gift, which is Walt's and Walt gave him ramen. And so you can imagine that he's opening these thousand dollar gifts and then he opens a gift that probably cost a buck fifty well like the gift before was literally an eric clapton guitar signed by eric clapton yes yes like priceless stuff right and elliot's reaction to opening up this ramen is like he starts getting teary-eyed he like but it all seems like so put on of like, not necessarily, I didn't necessarily get the vibe that he was trying to make Walt feel better, but that Elliot was trying to be like, I'm a human being who feels a lot of compassion for things. And so like, that was really funny to watch. And like, he just starts giving this big backstory to the whole crowd of people at this party of like how much this ramen means to him. And like, it was an homage to when they were in grad school together i think it was and that that's like what they survived off of eating um that whole time and yada 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 so we're we're at this party and then like walt and elliot like sit down and they start reconnecting because walt's made it like clear that they have not talked in quite some time like like him and elliot are no longer close despite the fact that they have been close at some point in time, Elliot starts talking about like, oh, I really miss this. Like, you know what? Like, we should work together again. And Walt cracks a joke of like, oh, you want to come like teach science at high school? And <laughs> which I thought was so funny. And Elliot's like, no, like you should come work for me. Like all this stuff. And and Walt expresses like, you know, I, I've been teaching and I haven't been doing it. Like that's very different. And then out of like kind of nowhere, because Walt was just saying, you know, I'm just, I just have a lot of personal stuff going on right now, blah, blah, blah. And then Elliot says that they have really good health insurance. And we infer, especially because Walt has like a whole, well, I should say Brian Cranston has a whole acting moment that happens there underscored very beautifully of realizing that Elliot knows that Walt has cancer and Walt did not tell Elliot, which means there's only one person that could have told Elliot. And so we immediately jumped to Walt and Skylar leaving the party and Walt like being like, you told him I have cancer, like to Skylar. Then Skylar's trying to like, 
not admit it, but then eventually like comes clean about it. Which is hilarious, by the way, because she's just like, oh, but look at all the seafood they had, so extravagant, and like playing out, like just like trying to ignore Walt because like she knows he found out and she's the blame and she doesn't want to be the blame. Yeah. And so like that doesn't end great because like Walt's feelings are hurt for multiple reasons. I think like as a, as a character, he was really excited to like be asked to like you know be a part of the scientific community again and then to realize that it was because he has cancer and then realizing that his wife told somebody that he has cancer when he's explicitly not wanted that information to be public that was like a whole journey that we got in like seven minutes of this episode so then meanwhile uh we are seeing jesse try to cook with another partner so he has driven the rv out with some random dude who i don't remember his name oh, no, this is good buddy badger it's, oh, it's badger, badger man you can't forget about badger okay my bad my bad well he so so very beginning of the episode jesse like runs into him because jesse's busy like trying to apply for a real job kind of thing and he's like it's hilarious the pretense he falls under because he's like we find he's just doing like newspaper hopping around for like we're hiring and he like he's going to this like it's like a realty office or something realtor office and he, like he thinks he's gonna help be like a salesperson the guy's like oh no like more like spinning a sign outside kind of person and jesse just like fiercely leaves but then like the guy who's actively spinning a sign this is like old buddy badger who just like got released from jail and like they they have like this like quick reunion thing and he ends up inviting him over to go try and cook some more mess so my bad badger and jesse are in the rv right and badger just if i didn't know he did meth he just radiates as like stoner bro like if one of the guys from sex drive grew up like 10 more years like that is badger for me it seems to be going well but like as we're watching it there are a lot of like really fun director choices that are made in this episode i feel like to show that they are not as methodical obviously or necessarily following exactly the way that Walt does it um and it's all very small like like it's done in a way where it's like we can tell that jesse is like remembering the way walt did something and trying to recreate that but it's just not exactly that process or whatever so the the meth is done cooking and jesse's looking at it and it is still like from what gets held up like still pretty like clean quote-unquote meth compared to like what we're told it usually looks like or whatever but jesse is very distraught that it is still kind of cloudy whereas badger's like damn that shit looks great like let's smoke it and jesse's like no it's not glass man we need glass literally takes this whole tray of meth goes outside of the rv and throws it into the desert because it's not quote unquote good enough for him and badger kneels down in the desert and starts trying to like pick up the pieces because he can't believe that that just happened so we have that and then they start cooking again so they immediately start that whole like process which is like a parallel to how jesse and walt started kind of like jesse's like kind of taking the walt role while badger takes the jesse role kind of thing and it's it's hilarious to see that like dichotomy there again and like the duality of that so then the next batch comes out and it's still too cloudy for jesse's liking and he goes to try to like throw it out again and this is when badger's like done like badger's had enough he's been like this is like too many pounds of pseudo like pseudofed that i've had to like try to bring for us to just throw this shit out and jesse still tries to go throw it out and Badger goes, helicopter, and picks up Jesse and starts spinning him around in the RV. Oh my god. And so the the meth goes everywhere. The glassware gets broken. Like, it wound up being a worse choice than if Jesse had just gone to throw the meth out. And so that's, like, a breaking point for Jesse. So then Jesse gets, like, in there fighting. 
like Badger out of the RV, locks the door, and then starts to drive the RV away, to which Badger pulls out a crossbow that he has with him and just tries to load a crossbow and starts shooting a crossbow at the RV as Jesse drives off into the desert. So that's how that went. Then we flash back to what Walt is going through right now. And we are, or not flashback, but cut to you. Skylar has reached a like really difficult point, I feel like, at, at this time with Walt not wanting to, or at least not being proactive about going through treatment for his cancer. And so she has a full intervention. Walt walks in and it is, Skylar, Walter Jr., Hank, and Marie sitting in the living room. And she's like, Walt, will you please sit down? And the contrast of this is so funny because what do interventions typically happen for? Addiction. And what is Walt doing? Cooking meth. And this is about the fact that he will not like do chemo treatments. And I feel like they did such a good job at the, the writing in this. Who wrote this again? Patty Lynn. I feel like this was so well written from the perspective, Walt's dialogue here, of somebody who has a severe illness and what they are actually like feeling and experiencing in those moments. Because Skylar called this to basically more or less like bully Walt into doing chemotherapy. And um, they try to do like a talking pillow thing, which just like does not go well. And it's just funny. And like Walt Jr. winds up calling his dad a pussy and because he feels like he's just given up and he and like that is even I feel like really well done. And he was like, what like what if you had given up on me? Meaning like and his disabilities like and Walt had never given up on Walt Jr. Like that, I feel like was good. But um, what winds up happening is Marie, (laughs) in everything that Marie is as a character, decides that when it's her time to talk, she's like, I think Walt should ultimately make his own decision. And Skylar is pissed. She's like, what the fuck? That's not why we're having this intervention. And Marie gives a really good... um, I don't know, um, opinion, I guess, uh, uh, about how in her line of work, which I'm, I forget what it is she does, but she, she winds up seeing a lot of cancer patients. And so she says like that she has had people come through who like chemotherapy has done wonders for them and they're happy and all this stuff. And she's like, and I've also seen people come in who like are miserable and she was like, ultimately, I think like Walt should decide how he wants to proceed. And then Hank takes the pillow from Marie and Hank's like, actually, yeah, I agree with Marie, which is also just like, <laughs> Hank just doesn't think for himself until he has to kind of vibe. He's like, we're here to make Walt go on chemo. And then he hears an opinion. He's like, actually, yeah, Walt like should decide about his own stuff. Walt has a really just a lot of valid points, which are, he doesn't want to be miserable in his last like few weeks. Like he wants to have quality of life and also makes a point to say that. And I, and I actually think that this happened later in this episode, not, not uh, in this intervention, but he says that he still can't get over the money. And he's like, what if we do all of this? I go through the treatments. I'm miserable. Even if I'm not miserable, whatever, like, and I still wind up, dying and i and i'm just supposed to leave you like with all of that debt like that ninety thousand dollars worth of debt like i'm not gonna do that so it really seems like walt is has a very clear idea of what he wants the rest of his life to look like in this moment of not doing chemotherapy and not leaving his family in a worse financial situation which again finances are the whole reason he is or was at this point, like making drugs and selling them. I think that that was, I I just, that moment really stuck out to me from the season as a whole, because watching my dad go through something that ultimately was terminal and, and just hearing him constantly say things like, 
I should have died on that table. And like, you know, talking about the quality of life being so depleted with all of the medications and everything that he had to be on them. Like that is absolutely an, an experience that people have that I feel like we don't necessarily highlight as much as we do. Like you should do the chemotherapy, like you should do the, you know, medical treatments because you'll get better. And it's like, but you might, your cancer might quote unquote get better, but you might feel worse than you do just dying from the cancer without doing treatments. And I just felt like that dialogue to his family was so authentic. And I really, really liked it. He's basically like, I'm going to make my own choices with this. And that's, that's how the inter intervention ends. And him and Skylar like go to bed that night. And it's just awkward. And you can tell like he, he's laying like face up very still like a board. She is turned away from him on her side. Like there's clearly space between them physically space between them and they fall asleep. And when Walt wakes up, uh, Skylar is not next to him anymore. And we just have this moment of watching Walt in bed, like gripping at the sheets and her not being there. The, what went through my head at that moment was like, again, I just think Brian Cranston is such a brilliant actor. And like, to me, I was watching Walt have an experience of realizing what Skylar would experience like if Walt died. Like if Walt didn't go through with that, she was going to wake up and he was not going to be in that bed. And it was just going to be like empty sheets. And so we see him like go to the kitchen and tell her that he will do chemo that he that he will like go through with it there's kind of this whole thing which i forgot to mention but it's that basically uh elliot and i believe it is his wife gretchen who we learn that gretchen is the woman from these flashback moments with the very young walt talk when he was talking about the whole like body composition statistics percentages stuff they offer to pay for his chemo and that is or his his treatments and everything and basically like they wind up saying and we get a little bit here and i'm i'm guessing maybe as the seasons progress we might get more maybe not but like that the company that elliot owns that like he's so rich off of walt had a hand in helping that be created did i get that right yeah yeah there's like um there's a one-off of dialogue at the birthday party where this guy recognizes walt because they worked in the lab together at their company gray matter technologies and he's like this is this is uh walter white he helps make the gray and gray matter kind of thing because elliot's last name is schwartz schwartz is black and translation kind of thing and so that's so it's 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 inferred that like they both started the company together once they got their doctorates. Clearly, Walt had some sort of stake in the company and left for a reason that we're inferring at this point. That that like you know arguably might be because of Gretchen, right? There's like a vibe there, like Gretchen was somehow this wedge kind of thing, and it might be because like she chose Elliot over Walt or something, which like I think. We later learn yeah because walt tells skylar like okay i will accept the money from gretchen and elliot to like do the chemo and then later gretchen calls walt and walt answers the phone thinking that it's elliot and it's very put on like walt at this point in his car was having like a full kind of like breakdown moment and he starts getting this call from elliot and he just like snaps into a character for this phone call. Then he realizes it's Gretchen on the phone, not Elliot. And that is when we find out that Gretchen was the the woman from those flashbacks because she was like, please like take our like take our money. Like as far as Elliot and I are concerned, like half of this is yours or something like that. And then she's like, please tell me like that your hesitancy isn't because of our like us or like our relationship or something like that and so yeah that's 100 percent. like we're kind of inferring like oh damn like gretchen chose elliot instead of 
Walt ultimately, and the way that Brian Cranston plays the reaction to her asking that broke my heart because I read that as like, oh shit, Walt is still very hurt by that choice. And that's unfortunate that he has this wife who is trying to do absolutely everything for him. They're about to have their second kid and he is still feeling such immense hurt from like Gretchen and he like pulls it together and he's basically like, you know what, actually, like, uh, I'm all good because the insurance actually uh, did come through for the treatments. So thank you guys so much. Talk to you never. Basically, it's like how that ended. And like, he hangs up. And like, we know it's a lie. We know that he's still gonna have to somehow come up with $90,000. And the way he's gonna come up with $90,000 is he then drives to Jesse's house and is like, let's go back into business with each other. And Jesse sees him and is basically like, what the fuck? Because the last time they saw each other was when Jesse was on Walt's property. And Walt was like, I never want to see you again. I never want to talk about any of this. And now Walt is like kind of showing up tail between his legs in a way of being like, hey, do you still want to like cook meth with me? We see this like crazy journey of Walt in this episode and like the rest of the family. Because I mean, I mean, the big pinnacle of this episode is the intervention scene because it's such a roller coaster. Because it's like it captures realistically how interventions kind of are like, you know, where it's just like it's awkward. You got the people who don't want to be there. Like Hank is sitting there being like, I don't want to be here. I'm here. He's just eating the food, like the food platter that's out in front yeah, of him. <laughs> the minute. The minute Walt walks into the door, he unwraps the food on the table as if like, oh, finally, I can start eating these like cheese and crackers. It was so funny. Right. And it's just like, and, and you have Skylar who cares too much. Right. And she's like, we have to change the mind. So this happens ultimately. And like no other outcomes are acceptable kind of thing. Right. And then you just got like, you've got Walt Jr. Who's just angry and upset. Right. Like. You have your tropes in there, but like they're all yet so realistic because of the roller coaster we go on. And then we get like Walt's realistic response at the end. I love the intervention scene because it's like you got you got so much drama, you got so much anger, but then you got so much humor in there because you just you you can't help but laugh sometimes because like Hank, oh my god, Hank. He has such a way with words. Like, bravo, bravo. Cause he's just he makes the weirdest metaphors, you know? And it's just like, what? And like, Marie's even like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. Like, I don't, what? What are you saying? What are these words coming out of your mouth? Yeah, I was gonna say, <laughs> Hank is that character that I love to like, just watch. Like, I'm, I'm like, I dislike your character because you're kind of an asshole and you're definitely racist. Uh, but I'm like, but you... As him as an actor playing that character just does it so well. This episode kind of like really dives into because we get we get actual real background from Walt instead of just circumstantial background, right? So we learn about gray matter technologies and stuff like that, and it's just you kind of see like Walt's making these decisions when it comes to his cancer. Arguably, he's refusing all this help all because of his pride, right? Because he feels like he's been robbed of his pride his whole life, which you can kind of see in these glimpses of, like, he's never been seen as the strong one holding everything together kind of thing. He wants this. Or the one that can, like, make the decision. And he's like, this is my life. I'm going to make this decision. I am the decision maker when it comes to myself now. Exactly, exactly. There's a part in this episode, which is... I find funny uh, is when Walt Jr., he's out with his buddies at night outside a convenience store. His buddies are egging him on to get them booze, right? You know, classic teenager stuff, right? Right. And they choose the wrong mark because it's an off-duty cop. So Walt Jr. ends up having the officer call Hank in, pretending it's his father kind of thing. And, like, Hank's like, make sure this never happens again. And the officer's like, great, no, you're good. Like, I understand you'll talk some sense to this kid because you're a DEA agent, because, you know, law enforcement, you know, trade credentials and stuff. So, like, that's the respect that's already there. And, like, Hank's like, dude, I, 
like Hank has this really nice redeeming moment of his character where he's like, why did you call me and not your dad? You and your dad should talk, right? Like, I don't mind helping out, kid, but like, you got to talk to your dad kind of thing. And it just shows this growing rift between Walt and Walt Jr., which is like, which I think is very important because I think it's, it's going to be this ongoing theme as we go on for a little bit. But anyways, uh, some fun trivia. So the birthday party, there was a lot of guests and stuff. Uh, some of the production crew, including, I think, Patty Lynn, like the writer, played guests at the birthday party. That's awesome. Sweet. And then in our next episode, Crazy Handful of Nothing, written by, I apologize for pronunciation, George Mastras, and directed by Bronwyn Hughes. Yeah, I think it's interesting that these last three episodes of the season are a different director and writer than anything else in the or anyone else in the in the season all different what i've learned from watching a lot of media and diving into the credits and stuff like they hire a bunch it's like a team of writers usually so like people can like become like heads of episodes and stuff like that just to carry the load because a a tv shows a lot i can't argue with that yeah okay so Episode six. I feel like this is when things all of a sudden ramp up. We get like a little crazy. Uh, Walt and Jesse do officially start in business together. Walt sets very clear guidelines. He is like, I'm a silent partner. Nobody knows me. Nobody knows anything about me. They just, and, and he was like, you deal with all of the stuff on the street, all of the like criminal business. I am just cooking. That's it. And Jesse was like, okay, bet. And so like they that that was their partnership through this. Jesse finally finds out that Walt has lung cancer and is very upset that Walt did not tell him beforehand. And not necessarily it didn't even seem for any sort of business reason. That seemed like a a genuine Jesse was upset as a friend that like Walt did not tell him. And so that was kind of a, a moment um, between the two of them. They're cooking. Walt is doing chemo treatments. And there is a really like sweet moment, which is sad. But like Walt is in a sweater and he's like giving a chemistry lecture. And he just, we can tell like, because the camera angle starts to shake a little bit. Things get a little fuzzy and we can see like, Walt is having a difficult time standing, a difficult time getting the lesson out. Like he's having some negative reactions to the chemo. And he like wraps up class super quickly to like work on something in their textbook. And he sprints to the bathroom and he starts throwing up. And when he comes out of the stall, there is this really nice janitor whose name is, I think, Hugo, who is like there, mop bucket ready. And he was like, he was like, no worries, Mr. White, like I'll clean it up and like doesn't ask questions like that actor honestly did such a good job too of just expressing sympathy like all over his face of like, we can tell that Hugo knows that this is not just like Walt has the flu. Like we can tell that Hugo knows that Walt is going through some stuff. Then that happens again later. Like Walt has another moment of like, puking in the bathroom and Hugo's there ready to clean it up. And this time, like it was even something as like simple as like Hugo offered Walt a piece of gum, like after he was done, like washing his hands. And he was like, thank you so much, Hugo. So like Hugo really is the trope of like a gentle giant is what we, is what we see. And so in this episode, Hank gets the respirator back that, they had sent off to that him and Gomez had set off to the lab that they got from that kid who like turned it in from the desert. And the lab tells them that there is some partial writing that they were able to like uncover, which I don't know how realistic that is, but that tells them that it came from the high school that Walt works at. So Hank basically like right after we just see Walt throw up for the second time, and is having like a horrible just chemo reaction. Hank visits Walt at the high school and is like, hey, 
are you feeling okay enough to like talk? Well, it's like, yeah, yeah, of course. Sure. And Hank starts talking about like meth lab stuff and this respirator. And he's like, have you seen anything go missing? And Walt's like, have you, does this look familiar? And What's so well done is none of it is accusatory at all. This is fully brother-in-law Hank being like, hey, man, I think some kids are trying to become like meth kingpins. Like this respirator came from your school. Like, can I go through your inventory? And Walt's like, oh, sure. Like, I have a whole list of inventory right here. And like, as they're going through, Hank is like, damn, you're missing like 12 Erlenmeyer flasks and like one 50 ounce, uh, like I don't even know what the heck they call them, but like the rounded 500 millimeter boiling, uh, something I don't know, yeah, boil, boiling <laughs> flask, yeah, yeah. And like, and he's like, dude, you've been robbed by like people trying to cook meth, basically. So he starts to ask Walt, like, who has access to this room, everything, like, Walt is not on the radar at all and that is what is so uh tensiony about that moment is is like it would it would be less tension if hank was accusing walt but the fact that he's not we're just like oh god oh god this is just gonna keep spiraling isn't it and so then unfortunately what happens is that poor janitor hugo gets arrested by the dea because when they ran a background check he had a prior like record for uh pot possession and also he is i believe hispanic and so there's also like some racist remarks upon his like arrest and everything and like walt watches hugo get arrested hugo who cleaned up after him puking in the bathroom offered him gum because he's on chemo and watched hugo get arrested for stealing lab equipment that Walt himself was stealing. It was just so sad to like watch that moment. Then there's like a whole school board meeting with all of the parents that happens. They're like, well, why wasn't a background check done? And the principal is basically like, well, it was, we're, we're redoing our background check stuff, like blah, 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 blah. And they're just, meanwhile, Walt totally phases out and starts fingering Skylar uh, in the middle of this PTA meeting, which was so strange. It was such a strange choice, but I didn't hate it. I was just kind of like, this is fascinating. I, I will say this is the beginning of episode seven. You're confusing it with just... Is it really? No, it's not. Oh, God. These two blended together. I'm so sorry. Okay, but th- and that's the that's the through line of that narrative, at least. And like, then that gets interrupted because the principal is like, hey, Walt, you're the expert. And Walt is like, huh? Oh, yeah, let me let me talk to you about these things. And like that, that is what that was. That is very funny. I'm so sorry. I skipped episodes. It's also in this episode that Walt starts to lose his hair. We have a moment of seeing like Walt in the shower and just chunks of his hair falling out. And he shaves it. And he comes out to the table with Skylar and Walt Jr. with a bald head. And this is, I feel like this is the iconic Walter White image that I see like when people talk about Breaking Bad is this like shaved head moment. And Skylar has a very like taken aback reaction, but it doesn't necessarily seem sad. And then Walter Jr. is like, badass, dad. Like, literally, like, like calls his dad badass for, like, shaving it and stuff. And, like, it is true. He looks edgier. Like, he looks a lot edgier with his shaved head. So that is kind of the, like, cancer through line of this episode. Then we have the drug through line, which is... Jesse and and um, Walt meet up in the desert at the RV to like cook more meth, and Jesse like gives Walt his half of the money or whatever, and it winds up only being like a little less than three grand or something like that. And Walt is like, "I made a pound." Oh, he was like, "How much did you sell?" And he was like, "An ounce or something." And Walt was like, "Last I checked, there's sixteen ounces in a pound." Like, 
what the fuck and jesse basically tries to be like dude do you don't understand how like how to sell drugs on the street like i can't just like move a whole pound of meth like in a week and so then Walt's like well how do we like how like how do we get a distributor like crazy jesse tries to like explain to walt what that process is like and that you like need somebody to vouch for you blah 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 couple scenes later we get a call walt gets a call from jesse being like great so this buddy of mine skinny pete it has a connect to a distributor whose name is tuco he's gonna vouch for me i'm gonna go meet up with him and like we're gonna sell we're gonna sell the rest of this meth and so they skinny pete and jesse go to like meet up with tuco and immediately it's bad vibes but also in this episode we get a very fun homage to the first episode of that like showing the end of the episode at the beginning same thing happens on this one so we have an idea because the beginning of this episode started with walt walking with a bloody bag away from like an absolute disastrous looking building. And so we are now here where it's like, okay, so clearly things are about to get kind of crazy. And Jesse tries to sell this meth to Tuco. And one thing that I noticed about Tuco, which I realized in episode seven, is that when Tuco does meth, he is the epitome of being on like a crazy high. Like he's already an unstable individual and he will do a bump of meth and all of a sudden incredibly energetic and volatile are like the descriptors that I would have to use there. So Tuco does like a bump of meth and the thing is, again, makes Jesse take a bump of meth who really is not wanting to and unfortunately has to tuco tries to say like great well i'll pay you after we sell all this meth and jesse's like whoa no like skinny pete you said this was money up front tuco starts to get like a crazy fucking look in his eye jesse tries to steal the bag of meth back off the desk of tuco and run out the door gets caught by two of tuco's like bodyguard guys like henchmen and then Tuco beats the shit out of Jesse. Like, absolutely just relentless to the point where I was low key like, did we just watch Jesse die? Because that, it was excessive. We go a day, I think, there's like a whole day that passes where Walt's like trying to get a hold of Jesse and can't. And so, like, Walt calls him back the next day. And Skinny Pete answers Jesse's phone and tells Walt, like, everything that happened, whatever. So Walt goes and visits Jesse, like, in the hospital bed, and he is, like, comatose. So he can only really talk to Skinny Pete and get kind of the information on what happened. And so then Walt takes it upon himself to go fucking fix shit with Tuco. So we now have... Walt, or Walt just strolling up to this drug headquarters, basically, with a new bag of meth. And he goes in, starts talking to Tuco, be like, you beat up my partner, blah, 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 blah. Tuco is like, yeah, well, I'll tell you the same thing. Like, I stole meth from you and you came here and brought me more meth. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Walt is basically like, you are going to pay me for my meth. And he was like, except this isn't meth. And in the most badass thing that I could not have possibly seen coming, takes what I thought was a meth crystal out of this bag and chucks it at the wall. And this insane explosion happens. And I need to know if they did that on Mythbusters because that was crazy. I need to know if that was possible because just like everything in Walt's chemistry lectures comes back into the narrative, Walt gave a whole chemistry lecture to his kids on fulminated mercury and explosions and that is what was in this meth bag was fulminated mercury and he exploded this dude's building and then 
forced him to pay up for the meth um, and then got him to agree to take like another, I think, two pounds or something at a meetup the next time they meet up. And we end the episode watching Walt walk out with the bloody bag of cash that we saw at the beginning and realizes because Walt blew up the building. The episode ends so crazily. You just see this, like, badass Walt. And, like, I think this is in this conversation with Tuco. He's like, who are you? And Walt says, I'm Heisenberg. And this is, like, the birth of Heisenberg. Oh, yes. Oh, so this is Walt's uh, alter ego where he's just this complete criminal badass named heisenberg but yes mythbusters did get into this about the fulminate mercury don't worry don't worry so in the episode they determined the myth was busted they approximated walt through 50 grams or something right it was like that little like that little bit it was a crystal chunk yeah about two inches they determined it wouldn't detonate with the force from a human throw um, and the explosion also wouldn't be strong enough to burst windows. But uh, if the whole bag, which they approximated to a 250 grams, which I think because on this episode, they had Aaron Paul and Vince Gilligan as guests. OK, cool. Like they had them there show up for Miss Weather. So like they had some like insider info of like, Vince, how much did you uh, say was in that bag kind of thing? So they approximated 250 grams. If that was used, no one would actually walk away from the aftermath. If like that whole bag went off kind of thing. Damn. So like it's it is some deadly stuff, but like it's the scaling of it. Could the could the bag itself be detonated by human force or just do you know? I don't just out of curiosity. <laughs> from what I gathered, like I I'd have to watch the episode of Mythbusters. From what I was just reading on Wikipedia. Uh, was just like you need a certain like strong amount of force. It's like it's like like a big collision kind of force, and a human throw isn't strong enough. Suspecting like from like someone like Walt, but like I don't know, maybe if a baseball player threw it fast enough, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Some other fun fun trivia. So Heisenberg name comes from an actual German theoretical physicist known as Werner. Heisenberg. He was also a school teacher diagnosed with cancer kind of thing. So it's like this nice parallel that like Walt kind of picked for his persona. Werner Heisenberg was known for his uncertainty principle in physics kind of thing. So like that's just this calculation process kind of thing of determining an aspect of uncertainty when it comes to a complex equation kind of thing. Of Another thing I love in this episode amongst the... Uh, we kind of see Walt become a badass throughout this episode because there's a point where, like, it's like after Hugo got arrested, they cut to the poker game. They're having, like, this family poker game. Walt is playing cards, but he's asking Hank a bunch of, like, specific questions about why they arrested Hugo and what you find and stuff like that. And they're playing poker, and like it ends up being a like a stand down between Hank and Walt, and Walt's like all in, pulling a bluff, like the biggest bluff of all bluffs, kind of thing. And Hank's like, "I'm not playing, I'm not playing folds." And like Hank had like pocket aces or something like that, like he was like writing a great hand, and like because like Marie is one of those people who's just gonna show poker hands like the jerk at that poker table you know and like no you don't do that flips over Walt's car I think he had a pair of aces king high and Walt had jack all yeah he had a two and a seven like the worst statistic poker hand in Texas Hold'em like it was great and it was just because he was just pulling the biggest bluff ever and I'm like we're seeing a badass Walt coming through coming through and i just thought that was great and then last little trivia the episode title crazy handful of nothing is a reference to the 1967 film cool hand luke ah okay yeah as well as well as walt's poker bluff it's kind of reference to a scene in that movie but yeah and then to finish it off we got the final episode of the season a no rough stuff type deal <laughs> perfect title so good this was such an interesting like pairing of storylines in this episode because we have two things that are happening we have walt and jesse trying to make 
the amount of meth that they have promised to this crazy drug lord. And we have Skylar, who is, has a baby shower. I'll talk about this uh, maybe narrative first, because I feel like it's less stakes. So Skylar has a baby shower, and this confirmed for me that there is something wrong with Marie, because she is very manic in this episode. As I mentioned previously, like a la- uh, for our last big Breaking Bad episode, like she was always very like down, not super expressive or enthusiastic. And in this episode, she was like high energy, running around, involved in everything, like a very clear contrast to how like she was previously, which I'm very interested if there's like a a bipolar arc there that's happening or something. I'll find out, I guess. But at this baby shower that Skylar is having, everybody's giving her like very practical gifts, you know, things. And Marie gives her a diamond tiara for the baby. And Skylar opens it and it is one of those moments where it's like, you say the thing you got as like a question and then the person goes like yeah and they're like yeah oh my god i know i love it and it's like (laughs) and like that is what happened with the tiara and ultimately like skylar's talking to walt about like we don't need the tiara like honestly we could use the money more or like literally anything regarding a baby and not a diamond tiara so she doesn't have like she wasn't Marie didn't give her the receipt, but like told Skylar like where she got it. So Skylar went to go return it very sneakily without telling Marie that she was going to go return it. Skylar goes to the store and she starts talking to like the I don't know sales guy. And she's like, "I'd like to you know return this," and he goes, "Oh, you'd like to return it?" She was like, "Yes, please." He was like, "Do you have a receipt?" And she was like, "No, it was a gift." And he goes, "Oh, it was a gift," and she's like, "Yes." And he was like, um, "Just one second," and calls his security guard over, and he's like, "Can you com- please uh, detain this woman for theft?" And we find out Marie stole this diamond tiara from this really expensive jewelry store. It was this sales guy's, I think he said daughter-in-law, niece, something like that, who distinctly told him that like it was a tall blonde woman, which neither Skylar or Marie I would qualify as blonde, but whatever. That was just a that was just the thing that I had. So they think that Skylar is the one who stole it and is trying to return it to like make a profit on the tiara. And so she's like down in this like basement office and like the guys on the phone trying to get the police there, yada, yada, yada. And Skylar basically starts faking that she like she's like, you're illegally detaining me and I'm pregnant and then starts like going into fake labor due to the stress of the situation. And then it's immediately cut to she's just like casually walking out of the out of the store like no no more labored breathing or panting or screaming or anything that we just saw her doing to like fake the labor. And then she confronts Marie about it. And Marie just like blatantly denies it, like the whole time that she stole this tiara. And that is kind of our first inkling that like, there's something off with Marie even more than we kind of maybe initially realized. Yeah, we had this, there was an earlier like, small scene in an earlier episode of uh marie was at like a shoe store kind of thing uh and she was like getting like really pissy kind of thing because uh it was like you know some like teenager or young adult kind of thing right in the store who's like different fashion sense kind of thing it was like no you need to wear socks to try on those shoes please because that's gross and Marie just straight up walks out of the store wearing these heels and swapped them with her like nurse tennis shoes kind of thing. And you're like, oh, Marie is this kind of person. She does not care unless it's her way kind of thing. So we have that going on, which is directly paired with the Walt and Jesse storyline, like I said, of trying to make enough meth for Tuco. And basically... Jesse starts freaking out because Walt has promised to go more meth than what Jesse thinks they're going to be able to get the amount of Sudafed to produce. And 
Walt, and this is also where I learned that the guys who get the Sudafed are called Smurfs, which I think is awesome. I'm, I'm a big fan of that terminology. And so Walt is like, we don't need Sudafed. We can do this all molecularly, basically. It's just chemistry, but I need you to get like this list of items. So he sends Jesse off to like go get all of that that stuff. And Jesse comes back with everything except methylamine, which he is like is a main ingredient. It's basically like what you have to have to be able to complete this like recipe basically to make meth. So they wind up in a heist of a like warehouse to go steal methylamine because Jesse has told him he's like oh yeah I um I talked to these guys they think that they can steal a couple of jugs for us but they want 10 grand and Walt in his new badassery is like why don't we just steal it ourselves so that is what happens they go to go steal this themselves we have like a couple things right like so they're staking it out and they're like the guard should be passing by now the guard's like a couple minutes late, but it's no biggie. So then they get there, and then the guard comes back. But we find out it's just to use a porta potty. So then they like bungee cord the porta potty around itself so that the guard can't open the door. And then Walt puts some sort of chemical compound on the door, and it melts and explodes until the door lock is completely burned through and then it opens and then that is when the alarm starts so they have like that amount of time so they get in there and it's just these giant barrels like it is it's like the gallon barrels and he's like where are the where are the gallon jugs like not these like insane barrels and and Jesse's like i don't know and so they are carrying out this giant just metal barrel filled with methylamine and they get it out meanwhile we're keep we keep getting shots to like the security guard trying to like open the porta potty door and they're just carrying this thing so slowly like down the street because it's so heavy and they go and produce the amount of meth that they're supposed to that they've promised and then some because Walt has now done the math that if they do like four and a quarter pounds or something like that, then they'll get ahead. And so they meet at this junkyard and Jesse starts making jokes at Walt, but they're jokes to the audience. They're not jokes like in the actual dialogue of like, this is where like somebody who doesn't actually do or sell drugs meets up to sell drugs. And what was like, well, where would you go? He was like, I don't know the mall, someplace public, not someplace where like this drug dealer could kill us and steal our meth. And Tuco uh, and the two, like, I don't know, homies, the two, what am I looking for? the henchmen they show up and once again that but this is where and so now i know um because they made it without pseudofed the meth is blue so it's still like see-through it's still glass but it's blue and so that kind of throws tuco off at first but then he does a bump and he goes immediately crazy again and they realize that and well not they realize they tuco's side of things and jesse and walt's side of things they come to an agreement this is now like what they're doing. They will be making this meth. Tuco will be buying it. That they're doing like four pounds or something like that now. And Tuco is paying cash up front in advance, whatever. And then one of Tuco's like henchmen makes a comment as they go to leave about like just remember who you like who you're working for. And because Tuco is high, Tuco turns to him and he's like do you think they're stupid and he's like no just i'm just saying he was like what are you saying he's like i'm just saying and he's like and he's like do you think i'm stupid and he's like no i'm just i'm just saying he's like so if you don't think they're stupid and you don't think i'm stupid like what are you saying and it's this really roundabout conversation with this henchman and then tuco beats the shit out of his own henchman like on the floor 
And then like Walt and Jesse don't necessarily know what to do. Walt like kind of steps forward a little bit and like the other henchmen's just like non-verbally like, yeah, just let this happen. Like don't go near it. And so they watch this guy get beat the hell up. And then the other henchman just like carries him away, like picks him up off the ground in his arms. His face is bloody, nose is broken. Tuco's like, I'll see you guys next week or whatever. And that is literally where we end is Walt and Jesse just standing in this junkyard having just watched a guy get bloodied, beat up. And like, what I think is so cool is the shot kind of like expands out and then up. And we can actually even see the like pool of blood where homie was getting like the shit kicked out of him. And then that's like, there we are. We've got our blue meth, which I now understand why the meth is blue in a junkyard with Heisenberg and Jesse. Like, <laughs> good old, yeah, yeah. We everything kind of like culminates full circle of like, all right, this is this is the show. It's like, it's a very defining finale, you know? It's Walt being like, can't go back from this anymore like this is it this is like a a succumbed moment yeah and and like when he sees tuco go off the rails he's like there's no way of getting out of this now because tuco is legit crazy especially when he you know does math crazy crazy stuff Oh, did we say the director and writer of this episode? Oh, I know. I don't think we did. It was directed by Tim Hunter and written by Peter Gold. I, I recognize Peter Gold because he he wrote a lot for Better Call Saul. So like he starts becoming like a regular writer. And this episode had the highest viewer watch out of uh, all seven episodes at one and a half million. Yeah, just crazy. There was a nice moment was during the baby shower, uh, Hank and Walt go outside and Hank pulls out Cuban cigars kind of thing. And Walt has this like really interesting conversation with Hank about right and wrong, legal versus illegal kind of thing. And getting Hank's perspective because, you know, Walt's already started, he's committed to the Heisenberg alter ego and stuff at this point. And he's getting, you know, Hank's perspective as a, person of law enforcement kind of thing and Hank's like actively breaking the law by having Cuban cigars that he got from a buddy in the FBI kind of thing and like they talk about how meth used to be legal it was in all the medicines kind of thing until like we discovered that like oh no this is really bad and addictive and terrible and people are like doing terrible things with it and stuff and getting sick and we should not let this be legal so it got you know banned it got outlawed because this is after, like, uh, it's been cleared up because I remember it's, uh, it was at the uh, intervention scene that the pot comes into discussion and Marie's like, yeah, Walt Jr.'s been doing pot. And it's like, no, Walt has been doing pot. <laughs> and so this kind of, like, it, it gets brought up again where Walt's talking about, like, how pot, like, maybe one day will become legal because, you know, he talks about, like, we're drinking whiskey now. If this were 1937, we would be breaking the law but just a year later completely illegal kind of thing and it's just this like really fascinating kind of like dichotomy discussion that he's having with someone who is potentially close on his tail i'm really i'm really excited to keep keep watching more with you because it's just it's a lot of fun oh yeah i'm like i'm invested i'm invested like i am i am ready to to take it take it to the end this this is good. A quick little trivia bit. Uh, the episode title, it refers to a quote from the Coen Brothers film Fargo. The a no rough stuff type deal. It's a it's just a that movie's just hilarious. If you haven't seen it, recommend it. Yeah, like we this yeah, especially in the finale, like we see the insanity that is Tuco and how that is gonna be a thing that's gonna affect them. And then I also like the uh the last song of the episode. Who's Gone Save My Soul by Gnarls Sparkly. It was a really nice ending thematic thing that kind of plays with the talk of soul that was being had earlier in the season and stuff. And this is like the path that Walt's stuck on now. And like, arguably, there's there's nothing that can get him out of it or save him, you know, because he's, he's gone in the deep end now. There's no turning back. All right. Any final thoughts for season one? I'm just, I, I think it was a solid 
a solid season, a solid season of a show. I agree. I agree. All right. So next, before we get into October, we got we got a week left. So thinking science fiction, right? For some movie themes, right? So so what do you got? What do you got for me, Adam? All right. I have got A Quiet Place because I do think that qualifies as science fiction. All right. All right. I'll give it to you just because there's a... Uh... You know, alien creatures. I'll let you have it. I'll let you have it. I would say, I would say it's 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 science fiction horror, but I would say I would say there's definitely science fiction about it, um, and that is uh, from 2018. Right, right. So it's part one, part one. Quiet place. So spoilers for people who haven't seen it. When we get to that episode, you know, we'll we'll announce it for newer movies. Um, and then mine, I chose a classic, something that's near and dear to my heart. Blade Runner, but this is the final cut version, so this is the cut that Ridley Scott got to make final edits with and stuff, because watching the original theatrical release is a much different movie. Awesome. So yeah, thank you all for uh, tuning in, giving us a listen to Resonant Reels. I've I've been Chandler, this has been Adam. I'm Adam, this has been Chandler. That was my lead-in for you to do the comment. And the- oh, oh, my bad. Listen, you got. I, I need more direction than that. I'm behind the scenes, remember? Yeah, uh, but we're Resonant Real. Go ahead and like, review, and subscribe as you can. We're found on all platforms doing all the things. Feel free to let us know if there are any movies or themes that you specifically want us to look into, watch, listen, and then talk about. Oh, yeah. Perfect. Love it. Perfect outro. Perfect. All right. See you. See you.